Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Motorsport Republic podcast. Bit of a different setup. We're at yep. the lovely Benzina Stables. We have a good friend of the pod, good friend of ours, Lukey Luke. Nice. How are you, mate? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. How are we? Thanks for having us, man. Beautiful setup you got here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out. I'm glad we could do it here. Something different. Yeah, for sure. It uh, seems like we've been on tour for the last. What, three or four weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll be and no time, unfortunately, this time. You can't make it. He's absolutely spewing. Oh, he's welcome anytime. Yeah, I saw you guys saw Chris Mule in the other yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Travelling? Yeah, yeah, being everywhere. He was a gentleman. He was really cool. He's but, a star. That's uh, good. So it's awesome to be here, mate. Appreciate coming on and taking the time out of your obviously busy, busy schedule to be yeah. here. Nah, always, man. Always. Um, I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm glad that somebody's doing it and they're doing it well. You thank know, you, you guys have got you. some good energy. So, no, thank, thanks for having me. It's a privilege. <laughs> no, it's good. So, just to, we'll start, um, we'll obviously touch on the stables a little bit later and, and what you're doing with yourself. But let's start from the start, Luke. Obviously, I met you through work a couple of years ago, been in touch. Um, I know about your story, probably not a lot of people do we touch on a bit earlier today and even during the week mm. if you want to just let people know how you got into stunt riding and where the love for motorbikes came along where the love for cars and just anything for motor came along yeah um yeah i guess i mean i'll start with my passion for motorcycles that, that was from the from the day i could remember yeah uh there's photos of me as a one-year-old on a little electric motorbike in the yeah, house and i was Three years old, I got a peewee, but my older cousins all rode motorbikes. So when I, you know, like a lot of us, a lot of the guys, you know, there was an influence there, and it was my older cousins. Of course, yeah. my parents didn't want me riding motorbikes. Um, my my parents actually divorced when I was when I was three. Yep. So I was early, and uh, my dad is the last to ride a motorcycle. You never see him on a motorcycle. I hates them. Yeah, hates what I did, <laughs> but bought me my first peewee, so no, <laughs> I right. beat it to it. Yeah, for um, sure. For that, I say you created this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you started this. Someone had to do it. Um, yeah, but I guess that's the perks of your parents divorcing. You know, dad wants to uh, give you, you know, nice things. He doesn't see you much, and that's right. True. You know, so, um, so that's where it started, kind yep. of thing, and uh, it, it never stopped. Seventeen and nine months, you know. Like, license yeah you know, cbr 250 double yeah. r just revving tents oh, off busting wheelies and <laughs> <laughs> i could wheelie that thing through third gear just up to his ground that's insane yeah i uh, i remember when i sold it i had there was like five or six teeth on the sprocket missing i didn't i didn't maintain it very well <laughs> i was just a kid you know <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> uh yeah so motorcycles were in me for forever it's yeah. it's all i obsessed about yeah. it was on the school diaries on the you know there's pictures posted on my room wall. and yeah you know all the all the ex uh, you know Stephen Gall and even I remember having Lee Hogan up there and oh man there was some wow it was all dirt bikes back then and as yeah. I got a bit older it was, it was road bikes like um yeah and I, I always wanted to race okay I always wanted to race motorcycles and uh I had a CBR 250 double R and then I got an R6 early like back then we could get our license at 17 and 9 months yeah, yeah not these days nah it's changed like that lambs we didn't have to wear bright colours and things like that uh so I had an R6 and then I, I actually bought an RGB 250 race bike and uh yeah I raced 250 proddies in just interclub local yeah. stuff and I won uh, lots yeah. Won, you know, I only did sort of three rounds and and then it was Stars of Tomorrow and that was oh, two or three, I can't remember now. And um, 
Anyway, I wasn't going to do it because we didn't really have any money. And Motorcycling Australia actually said, well, we'll, we'll fund you to be there. We'll, we'll pay your garage, pay your entry, and, um, That's cool. That's and come, you know, you just get some tyres. So my parents actually sponsored me, my stepdad sponsored my tyres, and we made it a family thing. And, and I, um, I made the final on the RGV on a grid of 40, I think it was 40, Aprilia RS250. So I was the only oh, RGV. Yeah. That made the made the final. And I qualified fourth. Like that's what's going on for that race. Yeah, yeah. on an RGV because they just those are pretty good. Yeah, that was yeah. a ball game. Um, and I was sort of there was the guy in first. I don't remember his name, but he was gone. But we were sort of fighting second, third, and fourth. And <clears> coming out of turn ten into eleven, you have to do the short shift. Yeah. And I missed it. I wasn't running race pattern back then. Yeah. I still, yeah. And. Um, and I missed it, and then so I, I didn't get that drive that I yeah. really needed. I was in front, and uh, they just passed me. So I think I came third or fourth. I think it was fourth. Yeah. But it was by like point oh eight of a second. That's nothing. Ridiculous. Yeah. So racing was awesome, and then um, this is actually how I got into stunt riding. So not long after that last round, which was the, the stars of tomorrow, yeah. uh, my older cousin. I sold my R six to my older cousin, uh, who was twenty five. I was. 19, I think at the time, or 20, and um, and I bought an R1, which I still own today. It's back there. It's fully carbon. You've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. um, So I sold him my R6, and on Christmas Eve, 03, we went for a ride up to King Lake, and he passed away. He he, uh, he hit a truck and um, and died. And uh, that was my first experience with death. It was my older cousin. He was. I looked up to him, he took me sideways in a car when I was like 12 years old and he was, you know, he had a few years on me and uh, always made me feel like one of them. So that hit me really, really, really hard. Yeah, cool. um, and I dealt with it on my motorcycle. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, I just, you know, I was always doing wheelies and mucking around. By then, you know, R6, I was doing freeway wheelies and R6 and stuff. Yeah. And, R1 and, and uh, things got a bit out of hand. I, uh, and I wanted to do a high chair wheelie, which for those that don't know, is sitting on the tank with your feet over the front, the bars back here, and pop it up. And the first place I did that was the Eastern Freeway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's probably not the best place yeah. to do it, but. I just didn't have yeah. really any of that foresight or that self, uh, I, don't, I don't know, that, that self love um, yeah, to care so much. Yeah. You know? It's not like I had a death wish, but I yeah. just kind of didn't care. Didn't care, yeah. And, um, Anyway, look, that's the sad part. Uh, I got off my bike for a few months. I gave my mum my keys because it got to a point where she was crying every time I went to the house. Yeah. She knew what I was yeah. doing. And uh, I said, all right, I've got to get this in check. And I did. I asked my mum for the keys and I said, you know what, I'm not going to ride on the road. Uh, but I do want to do this. I do want to do more wheelies and stunts. I do yeah. want to keep progressing with this. I like it. So, um, so I did. She gave my keys back. I didn't ride on the road. Yeah. Very rarely. But, you know, I was change that whole mindset. I wanted to live for him. Yeah. You know, not in spite of what had happened. And so um yeah I was just practicing and, and some of my best friends at the time they started a company called Full Lock Motorsport, which was the first drifting uh, event in the country. They introduced drifting to Australia. Yeah, right. We used to go out at night industrial parks and drift and you know big yeah. night out in Dandenong and stuff. Yeah. Northern skids. Oh, no, dude, this is. <laughs> they all punch out cop Commodores? No, nah, man, we're it? in Saladies and 180 SXs <laughs> oh, yeah. and R32s. We used to drift Arthur's seat. Like, oh, <laughs> these boys These boys were advanced. It wasn't me driving. I was a passenger <laughs> just screaming. Um, but they ran this event at Calder Park. Yeah. And um, it was early, I reckon it was 04. And 
they asked me to do some stuff at lunchtime. I'm like, why? I'm like, all right, I'll do it. You know, wheelies, burnout, sloppies, all the things I was doing anyway. Yeah. And uh, I did it, and actually there was a promoter in the crowd that afterwards came up to me and said, I'm sending three of Australia's best stunt riders to Malaysia in a few weeks, and you're better than two of them. Can you, <laughs> can you come? You know, and I was oh, like, shit. I'm like, Mate, I was a punk, right? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll okay. go. Well, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> just no C-bombs. We were only allowed oh, I don't, I don't use that word. It's against every every rule. Good man. But uh, anyway, so four weeks later, to my mother's dismay, uh, I was in the ledger doing a stunt show with wow. Rob Jones, Cameron Andrew, another guy, uh, David Skelton. Um, I felt like a rock star. Yeah, oh, for sure. I was like, this is sick. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of my first proper paid gig. Yeah. Um, and it just, then it snowballed from there. Man. So, you know, after that, I believed this was, this was something. And um, and I just kept going. I was doing the odd gig here and there, getting paid for it. And, um, you know, my my career progressed. I, I bought an F4I. Yeah, right. you got on the Yeah, it's a special place in my heart, that bike, because, um, you know, the R1 I started on, I've still got, I've turned back to a really nice bike. And uh, the F4I became my, my trick bike. And I was progressing in Australia. There was really no one doing it in Australia bar Matt Mingay, who, Matt Mingay and I didn't know each other at the time, but we were kind of progressing side by side in our own way. And I was the young punk that came through and, uh, you know, used to piss him off every now and then. But, you know, so I was getting these new age tricks. And I feel like I was in a beautiful time, you know, like those fast, because those were the big, huge, huge, huge freeways. Yeah. And 150. Yeah. I mean, in Mexico. <laughs> it was never that one. No, 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 it's always uh, Mexico. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I had that old school thing about me too. I raced, I was used to doing things fast, fast wheelies, and so when I slowed it down, I kind of had this, this, this skill set that would control. Yeah, it was across everything. Um, and uh, yeah, it got to a point where actually a guy named Mel Jarrett, who still works in the industry, works at Urban Moto for um, Royal Enfield. Yep. He's been in the industry a long time. I, I was working at the time for Moto Heaven, which still exists today. Yeah, yep. So Moto Heaven, a good friend of mine, Adrian Letty, owns Moto Heaven, and he just opened it up and he wrote me in to work for him and working at my shop as well. That didn't work out very well in the end. I worked there for a couple of years, but I was too busy with stunt riding. He was just like, this or that. Yeah. I was like, stunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catch. Yeah. See ya, H. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I got fond memories of that. But Mel was a, a customer, a friend of the shops, and he kept he worked for Triumph at the time. Okay. Peter, Peter Stevens. Yeah. And uh, Peter Stevens Importers. And uh, Steve Kyoto was at the helm of that at the time. And uh, this is oh, so many years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah way, way back. Almost 20 years ago. So Mal said, why don't you put in a proposal for, for Triumph? You know, and uh, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to offer it. I've never had any before. Mondo has given me a jacket and helmet and helped yeah. me out, but that was really cool. And I'm still to this day sponsored by Mondo. Yeah, that's super yeah. Yeah. awesome. Those, um, yeah, John Kyoto, he just, he thought what I did was cool. I wasn't doing anything, you know, particular. I wasn't getting a lot of exposure. He just thought it was awesome. And he's like, man, I want to look after That's you. awesome. Like, someone like that does that for you. Yeah, just, it really made me feel special and gave me self-belief. Sure. Um, 
So anyway, Mel kept asking me to put in a proposal, and then one day he rings me and he says, another stunt rider has put in a proposal. And I was like, who could it be? There's not many of us, especially back then. Yeah. Uh, he said, so here's your chance. So I was alright. So I knuckled down, and um, I sat with my girlfriend at the time, and we just went for like a few weeks. It's <laughs> just working on this proposal. I didn't know how to do it. I was trying to quantify you know, dollar values and how many people I was in front of and how much I needed to, you know, the bike. And I just couldn't believe what I was putting together. But I'm glad I went through that process because by the end of it, I really believed that I had something of value. Yeah, of course. So I put in this proposal and I was, you know, quietly, yeah, look, I didn't know what to expect, but I was quietly confident that it, it read well and it was actually uh, something there. Bye-bye. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I got rejected. Both of us, both, both stuff Not, not for us, sorry. Problem is with me, I'm a bit stalked. Stalked, yeah, yeah. I know you know what's called. You're stalked in the value of the yeah, a, a little bit twisted. And, um, uh, well, yeah, you said no, but I believe in that. So, so I didn't ring Mel anymore. I rang Steve Kogo. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got his, his, his receptionist, Sue. And uh, over the following six or seven months, I got to know Sue really well. But I rang Steve Kogo. <laughs> I <laughs> three times a week. That's unreal. Every week. Hey, Sue. Hi, Luke. You know, hey, going, yeah, good. He's not in today. I was like, that's okay. Just let him know I ran. You know, we this great relationship going on. And Sue's still there. Sue Boyce. She's, she's a gun. Everyone here actually is fantastic. They're like a second family. That's yeah. unreal. As most people know, I eventually got that sponsorship. But the way I got it was one day my phone rang. There you <laughs> it was go. Steve Kyoto. There you go. Hi, Luke. Hey, he goes, Steve Kyoto here. I was like, whoa, I've been trying to get a hold of you. He goes, Finally. I know. <laughs> he goes, uh, look, you've been persistent, I'll give you that. He said, and anybody with that kind of persistence um, deserves a bit of my time. So why don't you come in, let's sit down, and let's go through this together. Wow. And I was like, wow, Steve Kyoto. Yeah, then I was nervous because I was like, I'm going with Steve. Yeah. I'm not going to meet the marketing manager. I did this to myself, but I really respected Steve for calling me like that, and uh, we still have a good friendship today. Um, I went in, and he spent, I reckon it was about an hour and a half, or two hours with me. Shit. And it wasn't so much about the proposal anymore, I went in and with my folder and everything, and he said, how did you get to these numbers? And I'm like, oh, I just, you know, he goes, can you show me? I was like, yeah, I've got the scribbles, but they're just scribbles, he goes, that's how it works. Took him through my scribbles, and you know, what was going on in my store. Yeah. And, um, and he said, all right, look, he said, my heart says yes, all the way. My head, my business brain doesn't quite see it yet. It's a bit different. It hasn't been, you know, for a trial, it's new. Yes. He said, what if I give you a bike from now until the end of the year? And I think at the time it was like October or September. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out. And then, you know, if it's all good, we'll do something next year and I'll give you everything you've asked for. Uh, off the back of that, I was at the Melbourne Motorcycle Expo, I was in three magazines, I was on the front cover of one and I was at the MotoGP. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's do this. Let's, yeah. Next year I had, uh, I started with one bike, I ended up with two, I got my sign on, I got, you know, Triumph support, and I became part of the family. That's awesome. And that was just yeah. surreal. I couldn't believe, I still got a photo of when I picked up the bike, and I got home, I pulled it out of the van, I'm standing in the street in front of my house, I'm holding the key up, I'm like, you know, in front of the bike, just couldn't believe that yeah. I got this bike and, and that everything I had dreamt of was starting to sort of become a reality. That's a reality. amazing. Yeah. Persistence. And all off the back of such a negative, you know, I channeled that energy 
into something positive. I knew what I wanted to do, and um, and yeah, I ended up there. And I mean, the rest is kind of history, right? I got so many stories that oh. I, could, I could go into, but obviously, I had a good long twenty-year career, which I'm now retired from. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the last show at uh, Superflies, which was really special. Oh, just, you know, it's funny that retirement. Um, I was just kind of letting my career fizzle. I was just like, yeah, you know, after COVID, I sort of knew I was going to call this and didn't really push for many shows. My phone was ringing. I was rejecting offers for shows. I wasn't doing the whole time. I just wanted to kind of do some massive stuff and be around, but I was very focused on other business um, ventures I had had going, uh, this included. And um, and my wife was sort of like, well, it would be a real shame if you didn't book in your career. Yeah, it's such right. a big career. And so I decided to call it, and you know, I was like, okay. She goes, you owe it to everyone. And so I didn't really, because I was like, I don't, I don't care. You yeah, you were happy to say I'm good. Yeah. Goes, it's not just for you. It's for everyone else. It's for everyone else. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like everyone cares? And I realized that a lot of people cared. Of course. Lot, which yeah. was pretty overwhelming, actually. It would have been, for sure. Yeah. I, um, I bookended my career at the World Superbikes, which seemed fitting. I'd been there for 17 years straight, bar COVID. I wow. performed every World Superbikes for 17 years. And, um, you know, they made me feel really special too. They made time for me on the Sunday. Yes. Because there wasn't any time. They made time knowing that was my last show. Yeah, wow. And uh, that weekend, I just had that many people come up to me and congratulate me and thank me and remind me of great stories and times I've impressed them and things and just just the stories it was just really emotional yeah. weekend. Um, and then I did my final show and I bowed and I stopped at turn 10 where all my mates were on the wall all the time That's you know just pumped a tyre and I had Nigel Harvey from Aprilia had a brand new RSV for to own right? yeah. brand new and, uh, and he's like just don't care don't care, go hard. I was like, I'm going to scratch it. He goes, yes, go into <laughs> last week. Oh my God. Sorry, Aprilia. Sorry, Nigel. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, and, I, and I, I finished the show and I rode off and the tyre's flat and I'm just kind of riding and the bike just does this and just yeah. kind of hobbles along and I'm going down pit lane and then people start clapping and people on the roof and then everybody in control tower stands up. I can see them. They do the horns. Dude, I just burst into tears. Yeah, wow. Sure. Oh, I'm not a crier. It's not something I'm proud of to say I'm not a crier. I'm just not a crier. You just, it doesn't happen. No, no, yeah. I don't I don't know. Call it old school, call it whatever. I believe that it's good for you. <laughs> I tell you what, when I started, I couldn't stop. I just, sure. I, it was so emotional, which surprised me because something that was a completely non-emotional decision became so emotional. Yeah. And realised how much that actually meant to me. You know, all the fans, all the people that followed me, supported me. I realised what that did for me. You know, and it was something really special. I created something that I'm pretty proud of, actually. Oh, for sure. So you should be, man. Never really thought about it like that until the end. Yeah. Which is ironic, isn't it? You it's know. Funny how that works. Hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny thing. That, yeah, I think it just speaks volumes, obviously, of, of the person you are to get all that, all those people coming up to you and. Saying all that kind of stuff. Like. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was pretty overwhelmed, and I was, um, like I said, I was quietly proud. Um, it, I don't, I don't know. I just, I never really thought of myself like anything special. I actually thought of myself as very fortunate yep. that I was able to do something that I loved for a job. Yeah, 
you know, there's a lot of people out there, I see my mates, you know, they go to work, they hate it, they just work for a paycheck, whatever. Here I am, going all around the country, the world, riding motorbikes, getting given motorbikes, you know, like this was my life. Yeah, motorbikes yeah. were my life. Like, you know, I've got to buy motorbikes now, I realise how lucky I am. <laughs> 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 that must be hard. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's hindsight. Yeah, that's right. With, with stunt riding as well, was it mostly a self taught thing for you because it was obviously not massive, wasn't a massive industry? Mm. Um, was it just trial and error for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. See, this is the thing. It's like um, I get asked all the time to do stunt riding classes or, you know, wheelie school, but then it's it's just time. I don't have time to do something yeah. like that. I would love to. I'd love to help a couple of up and coming stunt riders. You know, I try and talk to a few on social media and give them tips and that. But, um, it really is one of those things, especially in my time. There was no YouTube, there was no you know social yeah, media, all that stuff. You know, I had a couple of um, a couple of stunt DVDs from America videos, like VHS, <laughs> that I used to watch before I went out. You know, there's one song, gonna go far with GSXR. I hate GSXRs. I got an R1 eating a GSXR <laughs> on my arm there. That hurts, that hurts a little bit. Yeah, look, I mean, I own a few GSXRs in my collection, but you know. I'm but no, to answer your question, everything was self-taught. Yeah, it kind of had to be. Yeah. Um, I'd watch a few videos, I'd try and figure it yeah. out, um, and just progress. I was, you know, I think I was the first or one of the first to do circle wheelies in Australia. There was a lot of firsts for yeah. me. Couldn't tell exactly which ones they were, but back then, you know, we were all kind of pushing each other. It was me, Matt Mingay, and Cameron Ambridge, and we were the ones that were at the head of the game. We all had our had our strengths. Yeah. Um, my strengths were definitely circle wheelies and circle wheelie combos because I was young and agile and yeah. nimble and I just didn't give yeah. <laughs> I was jumping all over. And so that I was really good at. Um, but as time got on, it got to a point where I could think about what I wanted to do and almost do it because yeah. I understood the physics of the body. Yeah. I understood the way it was going to react when I placed my body over the left side or the right side. I knew what I had to do to counter it. I could imagine the trick and I could almost do it. Yeah. And so I progressed really well until I got to a point where I was just too busy to get out and practice. Mm. And I reckon that was about 2012, 13. And then it just became time on the bike. Yeah, so okay. I got better slower after that because I didn't get the time on the bike to practice, but I was on the bike all the time at shows. But it yeah. shows you turn down a little bit because yeah. you want to keep it safe. Yeah. Yeah, you don't right. do everything, you know, spend a bit of time off the bike, especially at the end of my career, I was talking a lot, yeah. you know, including the crowd, yeah. making people laugh. Get I spent half the show off the bike. Yeah, okay. You know, get someone to sit down and get nice and relaxed with their legs open while I go to a stopping to <laughs> <laughs> That was part I really enjoyed too. Yeah, getting involved Yeah. Seeing a horror on their face as yeah. you're stopping towards their legs. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and later on in the career, you, you would see the progression in Europe and so on because of the likes of YouTube and things that had come in. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Um, how, many, how many times have you flipped a bike just trying to learn wheelies or was it rudimentary? I think that I can honestly say I've never flipped a bike. Wow. That's crazy. I made a living out of the back brake. Yeah. And I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at the back brake. Um, I've looped a stoppie. Okay. I've looped a few stoppies. I looped a stoppie at uh, Sydney Motorcycle Expo and um, I took out Gary Reed's uh, Yamaha uh, 
truck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um, I sheared off one of the jacks that holds their up ramp, you know, oh, for the freestyle motocrosses. We did heaps of shows together over the years. We were always using the same area. Yeah. Um, I did that, and I actually, I looped a stoppy in 2017. We used to go out to South Moraine in Motard. Oh, I remember that joint. Yeah, it's like apartments now. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. were good times. Like that's when Ovali, Nick from Ovali, Matt. That's when he first imported Ovalis back then. Bunch of us on motards, and we'd just go out on a Thursday night, pizza, moto, all night. We'd yeah. be there to the eleven. Oh, I was grouse, and um, sometimes it'd be really empty. The track would be empty. Everyone would be off the track, just hanging out. So I'd go out and do some stoppies. And I used to try and get off the last turn along the straight, and just bust straight into a stoppie and roll the whole straight. Oh, yeah. So just like what? And just straight up and see if I could roll it. And at the end of the straight, I was like, rolling. I would have been doing four kilometers. Yeah, I was right at the end of it. I was on a, uh, I was sponsored by KTM back then. I was on a KTM 450SX. And it was just, I went over and instead of just bailing, which is the first rule, just yeah, bail. I tried to save it, trying to counter it. Shouldn't have, because by the time it was too late, I had nowhere to go. I went over the bike lane, got my neck, my back, I broke my back, I pressed the L5, this one, I got bolted discs, so I uh, prolapsed L5, I'd done a bit of damage, and um, actually that was the first time ever that I had to take some time off, I had to say no to shows, I was injured, I, I was out for, for a little while, KTM dropped me <laughs> at that time, and um, did a little bit of ambassador work for MV Gusta, yep. while I was um, healing under that premise. Um, so yeah, that was that was interesting. So yeah, that I mean, no, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, never over the back. Yeah, well, there you go. Because like, it seems like a, a sport from the outside where you seem very physically fit mm. and healthy. Um, where uh, I guess a lot of people think stunt riders are always crashing, they're always sore. Like that. Neck tattoos. The thing It's funny because um, you know uh, this was this was the the, the point of difference is that. You know, I wasn't professional. I wasn't just a bogan doing burnouts, you know, or an Italiano doing burnouts. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I had to be a marketable, approachable, loyal. These are my brand pillars, right? Yeah. Presentable. Um, and so I, I had brand pillars, you know, like, yeah. a, like a brand, yeah. which people don't realize. I had rules for myself. I, I would be out on track and, and I wouldn't um, do a price, which is where you stand on the tank. You know, wave at everybody while your bike is just idling along because your idle's up. Your idle's at like 5,000 RPM in second gear. Yeah. So you fall off your bike, your bike keeps going. Yeah, yeah, right. I wouldn't do that reverse race direction towards the pits. And that was a rule that I had within myself. Yeah, for your own. You know, so there's a big difference, you know. It's about being um, being marketable as a business, as a brand. You, know? you have to present well and, and, and stay fit and healthy and strong and clear minded. And I think that was something that really kept me on track. Yeah. My whole life, and going back to originally, you know, I, I could have gone one way, and I started to. And Turn I, back. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So just on that as well, in terms of training and coming back from the injury, for example, how did you combat that? Like you said, you're a big advocate for mental health and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And from personal experiences, I know it can be hard coming back from an injury, especially when you're performing at such a level. What was it like for you combating that? If it was one of your first big injuries, and mm -hmm. what what's your training like? From that, and then even post that, like stay fit or stunt riding. What do you do? To this day, I still maintain my body from that injury. 
Um, I see, I was at the Osteo this morning. Standing appointment, Osteo, Northern Spinal in Preston. Thanks, Jared. Cheeky Shout out, Jared. <laughs> um, I, um, I'm there every every Thursday, yep. like family, for the last seven years. Wow. Um, it's just a touch up because I've got constant pain. I do Pilates once a week, I've done that for years now, um, just to keep that core and, and, and those muscles activated and everything. So I maintain the injury. Um, but from a stunt riding perspective, you know, I was a full-time stunt rider, so I didn't have other job for a while. I used to cycle 500 k's a week. I used to play squash, pennant, A-grade pennant squash. Yeah. Uh, I used to play a lot with Glenn Allerton, actually. Oh, no and we were intense, man. Oh, when <laughs> we played squash, it was intense. It was for the death. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't um, love to see my that. Oh, man, it was grouse. I miss playing uh, squash with Glenn. I haven't played squash for a years now, but I play squash, I go to the gym three or four times a week. Uh, and then try and, you know, up until, well, as much as I could, um, train on the motorbike twice a week. Yep. I'd go out to Calder Park and um, I used to be friends with Bob Jane and um, he would just let me use the Thunderdome or the track, depending on if they had something Some, on. Yeah. Um, and I'd have the whole Thunderdome to myself. My whole, myself. Like, I've done a bunch of videos there on YouTube, old videos you've seen. Uh, at the Thunderdome because I always had access to it and in return for him letting me use that every now and then when I didn't have a gig on I'd go to his Friday night drags and do a little show for him so yeah that, that was good I was fortunate there and I got that opportunity to, to film things there and uh, leverage you know, the cool part um, but yeah off the back of that injury that really changed my training regime I couldn't play squash for a long time couldn't cycle for a long time uh, actually, it took me a while to get back on the bike, and I needed help actually from uh, from a specialist from RiderFit. He um, helped. They had to change my bike setup completely yeah. to get me comfy on the bike again. Uh, for the first few months of not being on the bike, I was like, okay, you know, a bit injured, I'll get ride. But then after a while, I started really mentally, yeah, really playing on it, really, you know. And, and it is actually, truth be told, it, it has been. I've told you this. Uh, the last few months, because since I retired, I've ridden a bike, I don't know, less than that many times, mm, and yeah. it's just to like on the street or something. I haven't had that, that thing, you know, that, that yeah. feeling that we all get, that buzz, that throttle, that, you know, that thing that keeps us... Yeah, that address. It's funny, because, like, you try to explain to people, and that's probably the best way to explain what it feels like riding a bike. You can't, yeah, you just, <laughs> you just can't put it into words, can you? No, nah, so, um... Yeah, you know, I, I, I struggled with that then, and I'm struggling with that now. I'm countering that now. I just built a superbike, yeah, nice. um, 16R1, and um, yeah. taking that out in the next few weeks. So that's been a little three-month project, yeah. project for me. Yeah. Um, just realised, you know, bikes, bikes they just play such a big part in my life. And I guess for a long time, I was very fortunate that I got to ride them a lot. <laughs> But never realised how much I actually used them to deal with mental health, health yeah. you know, pressure, stress, anxiety, happiness, whatever, you know, um, until I wasn't riding them as much, and, uh, which I'm not riding as much. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So just on that, we touched a little bit on your stuff on YouTube and obviously the persistence with, with Monza and, and PS Imports and all yeah. that kind of stuff. What was it like? trying to get those gigs, trying to get those sponsors. Like I said, you're busting balls over the phone, but there was no social media, if no. any, like a little bit back then. 
now you've got Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all, all mm. the jazz. You know, we're making the most of that. Yeah, it absolutely. Helps. Every little yeah, bit sure. helps, but you know, you you've been there. You've done. You've lived through both. How does yeah. it? You know, how did that? How did it happen for you? Um, but truthfully, it, it was it was just sheer grit and persistence. I ran. I, you know, I, I would search the internet for events at the start in the early days, and I would ring and propose an event. I would propose an event. You know, I, I was constantly looking for events. Obviously, trying to get you know magazines were big back then, and I knew I got to know because of the motorcycle industry and doing shows and so on. I got to know you know um, Sam McLaughlin from uh, from AMCN, yeah. and you know a lot a lot of these guys, you know Boris and yeah. you know there's just so many too way too many people to mention, but you know all of the motorcycle media they're so great. Yeah. You know Stuart and Rudy, I could just I could just. So I could wheel them off, um, you know, and I'm still in touch with a lot of them today. The magazines uh, were where it was at. You know, if you got the front cover of a magazine, especially oh, AMC, yeah, that's a big one. You know, I got a few front covers and uh, over the years, and that was pretty cool. Jeff Ware put me on the front cover of Rapid with him and I doing like synchronized wheelies, and you know, just like I got, a, I ended up getting a uh, an article in, in Street Bike, Super Street Bike magazine. I used to write a, a regular article and. Mingo used to write an article in Rapid, and we'd always been there because Mingo, Mingo and I ended up being, you know, friends and doing a lot together over the years. Uh, we actually, you know, kind of broke up a little bit for a few years yeah. there, um, and then came back together. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think just a bit of healthy competition, you know. That never hurts anyone. Bit of ego. Yeah. Back then, definitely. Oh, I'm from, as well, you know. from both of our perspectives, I used to blame him. He used to blame me. Hindsight it was both of us, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but you know, these great rivalries, like well, you know. Right. Um, so, but you know what? Even even through that time, there was a time probably from 08 to maybe eleven or twelve, where Mingay and I were really against each other. We'd still often get partnered up at shows. We'd still, yeah, no, you know, they'd hire him and they'd hire me, and we'd end up at the show together. And truth be told, I've never ridden better with any other stunt rider in the world than being gay and also the same thing. We just know each other's riding backwards. We could be riding dead at each other and know which way we're You're going to go, yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed doing shows with Matt. I know, I know he feels the same. We, we always cheat each other up and pushed each other. I was always, you know, biggest uh, ego. Most of the time I give it to him because, you know, let's just be honest, he's got a bigger ego. I hope he's listening. But no, I love him. We'll um, make sure we're targeting that one. Yeah. But yeah, getting back to your question, we digress. Um, it was just, it was phones, man. You know, yeah. it was on the phone. Cold it was magazines. Then there was a little, you know, you'd, you'd meet people at events, promoters. That would happen. You'd, you'd start to gain momentum. I think in 08, I started doing the ASBK. So I was a regular at ASBK, that was my gig, Reeve hired me and um, I stayed with ASBK for many years. It just, it really became a lot of flow, but sort of during that period, Facebook started taking off. Yep. And um, at one point I had a million followers on Facebook, I think I've got just shy of 800,000 now, they're dropping off because I don't post, I don't do much. But proud to say I never paid for it, it was all organic, yeah. you know, it just happened. and. Um, you know, that, that propelled me a little bit as well. I think once that started happening, you know, like you guys are, are experiencing. Yeah. You know, videos get out. Um, yeah, actually, I, I mentioned to you once before. Yeah. So, 
I think there was a period, I reckon I was at about 400,000 followers, somewhere about that. And I went to Thailand. And uh, I had a few friends in Thailand, and he gave me his motorbike to ride. It was just a KLX 250 or something, yep. dirt bike. And um, I was in, I wasn't in thongs, I was in like boat shoes, like just the, you know, beachy yeah. shoes, shorts, singlet, open face helmet, you know, pretty bare skinned. Yeah. And I just did this wheelie through a town for ages. Just clutched up and I'm thumbs up and you know, I was just like kind of riding along, yeah. one hand, you know, whatever. It was a pretty casual thing for me. Yeah, it was not. But it was just, I think, you know, where it was, the background, you know, through the town for so long on this bike. And um, just posted it. It was nothing, it was just like high from Thailand kind of thing. 250,000 times. That video got shared everywhere. It's viral here. It went crazy, and that was my first experience of anything viral. Yeah. That was personal. Yeah. I just, what? Freak you out, or was it just? Well, yeah. I mean, I look. I had four hundred thousand followers. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah All of a sudden, within like a week, two yeah. weeks, I think it was really short. I had six hundred fifty thousand followers, and that boosted me because from there, everything I posted got more traction, got more. More and more. I never replicated that quarter of a million jump again, but you know, there were big jumps yeah. you know, for the next few years. It grew progressively till about a million and then it started dropping off because I Yeah, didn't use it as much. I can't follow the social media. <laughs> it's like that. I always said if I wasn't a stunt rider and I didn't need it, I wouldn't have it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But now I'm not a stunt rider and I constantly need a little bit of course, of business yeah. stuff. But I think I made my, my first post in four months or something like yesterday because it was a cool it was a, 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 a Christmas card I did see, did you that, see that yeah that was awesome man. yeah yeah it was a Christmas card from one of my friend's sons about his dad wanting my bike oh <laughs> I saw that yeah I thought that was really cool so I posted it because it's more where my life's at yeah, yeah you know, that's it it's more family it's more real you know? 100% it's more raw yeah so you said stunt riding took you overseas and stuff were you ever fortunate enough to do any Stunt writing for movies or TV shows or yeah, I um I did a few stunt double stuff. I stunt double Jeremy Renner in the Born Legacy. I did the world premiere. I can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. He's cool. Um, I I I did the world premiere actually um, in Sydney. They shut down the streets for it, and um, and that was sick. That was. Dude, I'll give you numbers. I never give numbers, but I, this is too good to not give you numbers. Yeah. So I I um then just. I never got paid like this in my whole career. So let's just so, be clear about that. <laughs> but it is a disclaimer. Cool yeah. I did, I reckon it was 35 seconds of riding. I rode from around the side street. Jeremy Renner was on a triumph. I was on a triumph with the wheelie next to him. And I did some circle wheelies and some burnouts around him, high fiving. He was supposed to be waving to the crowd, but he's like, yeah. He was like G and me up. And, and then, the, you know, there was a director kind of person in the background. It's like, okay, off now. You know, I had to watch for that, that, that cue to get off. And it was 35 seconds. And I think I got paid about 16 grand for that. And I was at the world premiere. And I was working, I remember back then I worked out my hourly rate based on that. <laughs> It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I would have been. But uh, that, that was never my alley. It was never replicated again. <laughs> That's sweet, man. So, yeah, that was cool. I did some cool things. I um, This is an interesting one. I stunt doubled the main character off Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which is like an ABC or SBS Australian sitcom based in the 1920s. Yeah. 
And the reason they got me in was because there was a scene where the the male main actor had to chase the female. No, the female female main actor was on the back of the bike with the main actor chasing a plane. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. The scene was maybe to stop someone from taking off. Like, I don't know. But what I had to do was chase chase a plane on a nineteen twenty one BSA something. Oh. Man, have you ever seen these old bikes? Like, have you ever ridden one? They, they're insane. Yeah, you got advanced timing gears are up here. Everything's backwards. Like, there's right. just so much to do to ride. <laughs> it would stop me from doing wheelies on the road. Yeah. <laughs> like a hundred percent. So that was interesting. They, I used to have a big mustache. Like I've always got my yeah, mustache. Yeah, you know, yeah. I used to have a big mustache. They shaved it off and gave me this pencil mustache oh. uh, to replicate him. No helmets. They got me in because no helmets. Old bike, main actress, safety issue. They just wanted me to, you know, someone. That, if something went wrong, best chance of keeping everybody safe. Yeah. Um, so I had to chase this plane on this 1920 BSA thing, which was cool. Yeah, that would be good. Because I rode this 1920-something bike, and I was like, man, this thing would keep me out of trouble. Yeah. Like, properly. It's amazing the advancements in motorcycles since. You know, oh, like, cool. You change gears, the thing doesn't run. You have to change the timing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It almost sounds like a bit of a modern day GP bike, but more That's nuts, yeah. man. That's absolutely nuts. You've been keeping up with GP and a bit of Formula One and stuff like that? Look, I don't. I, I watched KO Minis on yeah. Formula One. It's can't be bothered with Formula One, but I like to keep just yeah. enough. But a GP is like my legend. Yeah. yeah. Like you guys know, yeah. I tend to do a lot of that yeah. GP. Uh, yeah, man, I've been keeping up with my GP. I watch all the testing. Oh, beautiful. You know, yeah, Mark Marquez. Everybody's going, Mark, Mark, this is going to be great. You know, I'm like, fake Nyard, Martin, yeah. there's guys on Ducati's, man. Mark is not just going to come in the car. All right. And do you know what? In a super weird way, and I know I'm going to get killed for this probably first by you, in a little way, I was kind of like, interested in it. I was kind of rooting for him just the tiniest <laughs> bit. Honestly, I'm with you there. When I was, I was saying to the boys last week, I'm, when we seen that smile that he had, I was like, you know what, it's, it's great for the sport that yeah. that's back. But give it one round and I'll be... I'll, <laughs> look, I'll be the same 100%, but that smile did it for me because um, it showed that he really was just a writer. Yeah. You know, and that, that you can relate to. Yeah. So Casey Stoner, when Casey Stoner was racing, diehard Rossi fan, Casey Stoner, Aussie, don't care. Yeah. Wasn't a fan. Respected the guy yeah, and his ability to yeah. ride. Wow. Oh, yeah. But wasn't a fan. Then I went to uh, a night with Mick Dillon and Casey Stoner at the one just passed. Crown, Crown. Crown. Yeah. And uh, hearing Casey talk, man, like that guy, super intelligent. Yeah. Loves motorbikes. You know, talking about the artistry of riding motorcycles and what motorcycles are, one Mick Completely. He's just, he was just misunderstood. Yeah. And I was a sucker for that media bullshit. Yeah. You know, and I kind of feel a little bit bad about that. But one thing I can proudly say is I never, ever, ever discounted his ability and never respected him. Never, you know, like disrespected yeah. him. Yeah. Like, what an incredible writer. Same as Mark Betts. Don't like, haven't Don't followed, like haven't been his fan, but what a writer. No, credit where it's due. He's still there. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he'll go... I think close. he'll be. I think he'll go close, but I don't think he'll win. I think he'll crash himself to oblivion trying to find where that limit is on that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I really do. 
Yeah, I think he'll just ask a lot of it. Um, I think his injuries will play a bit of a part. I don't think he realises, you know, where his body's at. Maybe he's starting... You know, one thing that I'm quietly, like, like happy about is maybe now he's finally understanding where Rossi was when he was doing the things he was doing in 15. Yes. As an older rider. Because now he's an older rider. Correct. I think Acosta's going to give people a touch-up yeah. here and there. Yeah, even yeah, on that Um Yeah, so I think next year, title-wise... Uh, look, I want Bagnaia to go again. Go again. I think Martin, Bagnaia, Mark Marquez. Um, who else do I think about that? About Bez. Look, Bez, Bez has got to get his head in the game. Mm. Uh, Bez is a great rider. I had Bez marked at the start of this season as a real contender, but um, I think he just lacked a bit of maturity still. Yeah, and it showed at times. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I really respect about Bagnai is when you know when he's sitting back in fifth or sixth and then taking off, you think, oh, he doesn't have it today, and you realise later in the race, no, no, he's just smart, yeah, yeah. calm. Yeah. You know, it's that nature that you see on TV. That's genuinely what he's like. And having met him, I see, it, I've seen it. You know, I had him. He signed yeah, first. Saw my Desmo. I got to have chats with him or whatever. He genuinely is a very calm mm. nature, very cool. Which is crazy that you ride a MotoGP bike and you're that calm. But I always kind of said that about Cam Donald too. <coughs> and you're like, man, because I'm good friends with Cam. And I was just like, Dad, how are you like a normal person? <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah, you do that. You do that. You, do that, you know, but Bagnaia kind of the same thing. He's, and I, but I think that helps as well. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I think that's where he, he comes undone in terms of winning fans over. Mm. He's not that boisterous Marquez or Lorenzo or, you know, mm. what we're used to, the, the Rossi. Like, yeah. he's not that. Yeah. So... You yeah. think that's where he comes out to suffer mm. and why people probably don't give him the credit that he deserves mm. for what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. So that's crazy. But it's funny on, on Cam Donald, might have to get on and uh, yeah, you should get Cam on. Cam, Cam, Cam is a wealth of knowledge, and yeah. uh, depending on uh, which ones he wants to let out of the bag, he's got some great stories. Oh yeah, for sure. Because yeah. you and him just did something recently, or what I say, a couple months ago for, for Triumph. Yeah, we did the um, 765 RS launch yeah. for Triumph, which was sick. We did um, two days in Adelaide. We did a day up in the hills, Adelaide Hills, which was a bit wet, but still a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> let's just say we know where top speed is. Uh, top gear, top speed. Like I was like, I'm top gear. I've been friends with Cam for 20 years easily. Um, he's been my mate. And he's raced other man, and that's grouse. But like, doing that with him, you know, on a closed circuit, of course. Yeah, at the back. Um, tucked in, you know, and we were just tucked in and I was getting a draft. And then he was getting a draft. You know, and it was just like, we were just kind of bouncing at top speed. Oh, no, no. Like since you were just like checking the throttle and stuff, oh, man, it was wild. Like we got, I got a photo. I actually took a photo when we got off our bikes because we had to do this river crossing at the bed. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're both like, ah, in this photo was gross. Oh man! And I think there's a photo of a, of us taking a photo too, which is best. Oh no, so, yeah, because yeah. we're like all pumped up taking a photo of ourselves. That's awesome. But that was a buzz, and then we did the bend. So Tom Bramick was there as well, yeah. and it was just me, Cam, and Tom on these stock bikes. Just busting laps around That's the Bend South man. Circuit. That was awesome. That's cool. Yeah, awesome. That would have been so good. Yeah, see, I, I, like, I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. The smile yeah. when you talk about it. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's those old man guys, though, they must have 
screw loose or something to do that. It's, it's cool. How, yeah. Like, Corleone's. Oh, no. Corleone's big. Big. You see some, <laughs> some of those corners that they hit just almost full throttle yeah. or they just roll off it, like the Balagari, whatever it's called, or Balagari, and it's just a light post and a light post and a light post. And almost, I don't know. I don't know. It's, just, it's amazing. The onboard footage has to be the best onboard footage of any motorcycle racing ever. Close my Yeah. Well, like, I love it and I've followed it forever. I just can't believe how it's still going. Yeah, I know. But I'd be shattered if it yeah. they can't, yeah, it's, they can't it's a choice. It, yeah. I think in this world, everybody should still be given a choice. And I'm glad that this hasn't been taken away because at the end of the day, any rider get they get forced on the bike. They no, choose to do it. Do it. You know, and they choose to take the risk. We all do. You know, mm-hmm. the harsh reality of motorcycle riding is that it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And if it goes wrong on a motorcycle or any motorsport for that matter, you know, it could be really wrong. As, as as we've learned many times, yeah. but we still choose to take the risk because life's for living. That's right. You know? That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's life's for living. Experiences are good and we calculate our risk. I think going going back to a question you asked me before, which prompted me, but I didn't get there, was um, you know, everybody thinks stunt riding is this crazy thing or whatever, but it's actually really professional. Yeah. And um, I had calculated risk. It looked nuts. I bounce off the rev limiter, I'm skidding, I'm turning, and it looked crazy, it looked like it was a little bit out of control, but it was like control, it's out control. of control. Yeah. You know, I, I used to call it calculating crazy. Yeah. You know, because I'd always turn it down a little bit, you know. And um, like everything in life, you've got to calculate your risk. And, you know, if your risk versus reward ratio is in your favour, then go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it's awesome. Great way to put it. Mm. It's a really good way to put it. So what are you doing these days? What's what's life looking like for you? What's how's the family? How's all this going? Yeah. So um, Benzina Stables is um, you know is, is the focus for me uh, at the moment. So we're a um, enthusiast focused car and motorcycle storage and sales facility. But a bit of a tongue twister, but that gets it done basically yeah. in its entirety. We buy and sell enthusiast focused vehicles, both cars and bikes. Uh, we have a 3,000 square meter factory here in Creston and we store enthusiast vehicles. So motorcycle collections, motorcycle, you know, just people's toys, they don't have room for them or they want the convenience or security or whatnot. Same with cars, we've got stackers, um, so we can store about 120 cars, about 100 motorcycles, we'll probably store more, but limit. Um, I'm enjoying that, it's something different. I'm leaning on a network that I've built over 20 years, so I'm enjoying that, something different. I miss riding as much, but I get to be around some of this great stuff yeah, behind yeah. us, so I'm enjoying that. I still own Benzina Garage, which yep. is my motorcycle workshop yep. in Preston. Um, looking at potentially selling that if the right person came along, it's really important to me that um, that it goes to the right person. I've bought ten years into it; it's got a great, uh, a great customer base. You know, it's a turnkey business; it's, it's great, but it, it needs to be run by an owner operator, like a mechanic looking at moving up and not working for somebody. Right. Because um, they can just walk in and work, pay a wage, you know, etc. But somebody passionate, because mm. um, you know, as you guys know, and as I guess a lot of people might know about me, I'm super passionate about what I do. And uh, Italiano, maybe. Yeah. But um, you know, so I, I will have to let that go because of the enormity of this. I had a bar and restaurant. Yes, you know, yeah. I, I let go to, yeah. to press on to this as well. So. I kind of want to focus on this, you know, give my, my family a bit more stability in my life instead of just chaotic all over the place, yeah, yeah. here, there, there, this business, that business, working late nights, etc. So, we've got two boys, they're frothing motorbikes now. Yeah, they love it. That's cool. BMX. And yeah, I see you on the Instagram sometimes, they, they love it. track. They love it, they love this place. Yeah. Um, 
I bought a 355 Ferrari the other day to, yeah. to sell, and um, and I was like, oh, I'll go pick Freddie up. Oh, you know, awesome. my son. So I went and picked him up. I got a video of it actually. His classroom's right next to the, the, the gate of the fence. Yeah. And so I parked it illegally right where <laughs> right where his classroom was. And he came out and he goes, Oh, hey, Papa, because I don't get to pick him up much. But I walk him to school every day, not the girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I get that with him. Um, so he's surprised to see me and I said, Papa, look what I picked you. He calls me Papa. Um, look what I picked you up. He goes, Whoa, oh, you just like done this crazy giggle and he's like, Ferrari. Oh. You know, and then all his mates came out, they're like, Is that yours? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, it's <laughs> so you know it's cool I'm, I'm running a different program now it's, yeah it's fun and i love being a dad um, I, I think it's important some of the things i learned as well about that risk reward passing that on to the kids of course you know um i think it's important that kids see friendships they see risk they see all these things because at the end of the day they kind of need you that's right. Yeah. yeah. And I hung on to stunt riding just enough for them to see that Papa did that. Not, yeah, that's not good like, oh, too. my dad used to do yeah. this, but I never saw so it. got to see you do it. You got to see it. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah. Like you said, I was like, passing it all down, that, that hard work and persistence for them too, growing up. That'd yeah. That would be well acknowledged for them. Yeah. So, uh, it's absolutely unreal. Luke, thank you very much, man. <laughs> thank like, you. I talked a lot. <laughs> hey, that's, what, that's what we wanted. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's all about you, yeah, mate. Right. You know, thank you very much for having us here. We really appreciate it. Um, we got a little something for you yeah. as well. No, no, a little yeah, gift. A little present. So just that there. <laughs> so always, as we say, it's a one of one. Thank you to uh, HJC Australia and Stacey for always looking after us as yeah, well. Shout out, Stacey. We've got something yeah. special coming with them as well. So keep an eye yeah. out. Yeah. Hey! I like this. One of one motorsport revolver, HJC. Add it to the big collection. Oh, boys, this is going on the office. Uh, thanks for coming on the pod. I thought I said pop for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your time and all the support. Thanks, boys. Nah, thank uh, you, mate. You're a legend. Guys, check out Benzina Stables. Thank you. Thank we'll you. drop all the links below. Thanks for tuning in to another episode, Luke. Thanks, thanks guys. Again. Hey, thank you. Thanks, thanks Luke. Cheers. Cheers.